Welcome to Underground at the Showcase, the official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. I'm associate producer Xavier Goche. In this episode, my co-host Cesar Ibarra and I interview Ben Pisano, aka Corsicana. Corsicana is Denver musician Ben Pisano's sometimes cathartic and sometimes serene love letter to indie rock. Since 2014, he's been active in the Denver music scene and has established himself enough to tour the West Coast three times. Before we jump into the interview, please like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Now here's the song, Seraph by Corsicana. Hi, welcome to Underground at the Showcase. I'm Cesar Ibarra. And I'm Xavier Goche. Corsicana is an indie rock project started in 2014. This is their fifth time playing UMS. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm really stoked to be here. I haven't ever, um, actually, no, I have done one podcast before, but it's it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. That first podcast episode is always just a little, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll make it through. We'll yeah, make nah. it through. But thank you for being here for sure. To start off, it's been almost a decade since you started, you know, releasing music on your own. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any 
big trends or like, you know, changes in the local scene that you've, you know, thought, of, oh, that's cool. Or like, oh, I wonder, you know, how long is that going to last? I mean, yeah, I've certainly seen a lot of change. Um, I think the bulk of it probably revolved around the pandemic. I think a lot of bands um, broke up or changed or, you know, people moved, decided to start new projects. I feel like that was kind of the the biggest example of, of change that I've seen. Um, and change is, you know, never inherently good or bad. Um, but I think it's been really cool seeing a lot of like, you know, just new things happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. As far as like trends and stuff, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like people do a really good job of like sticking to their guns in the local scene. And in terms of like, you know, that they do, whatever they want to do and what makes them happy and is like fulfilling to them. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's really special. I value that first and foremost. So it's just cool to see people do what they want to be doing. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, Denver's unique in that way, for sure. Um, uh, most places who like Chicago, LA, New York, even though that they're very diverse types of artists out there, generally you're going to hear some of the same sounds, across and which is somewhat the case with Denver as well. But I think that, like you said, everybody does do a really good job of staying unique and trying to have a unique sound themselves and putting that out into the world. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, in, in Denver and in Colorado, even there, there isn't necessarily like this, uh, media art epicenter that you have in, you know, some of those mm. cities that you mentioned. Um, and I don't know, perhaps it's thus more encouraging to seek out your own sound here than in a place where it's like, oh, if I sound like X or Y, then, you know, I could make it, I could be the next big thing. And of course, like you said, there's some of that wherever you go, but I think there's a great, great amount of diversity here, which is awesome and important. I read that your newest album kept is uh, you recorded it um, in your childhood home. Um, are there any albums that just like encapsulate just being back in your childhood homes? Like it can be, you know, um, something more modern, something, you know, that you listen to back in the day, just something that, you know, just listening to it, you're like, oh, I'm in my childhood bedroom, um, you know, watching YouTube videos or, you know, playing guitar in my room. Like what's something that brings you back into that? kind of era of your life? Mm. Um, well, it was recorded in my childhood home because at the time I, I lived there and I am very fortunate to still live pretty close to my parents and we see each other often and I still visit the house often. So it doesn't feel incredibly removed for me. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not quite the like full blown, like nostalgia maybe that, you know, the phrase childhood home elicits, but mm. I'd say I get really nostalgic and, and really start thinking about my, I don't know, like earlier years and, and childhood and stuff, like probably around the fall, there's just like a really tangible 
thing in the air. It's I feel like it's kind of like a smell and it's oh, kind of just I don't know. There's there's a vibe to it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's my favorite season necessarily, but fall hits and I'm always just like, oh man, remember being like, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, so on and so forth. It's, it's I don't know, kind of like clockwork for me in that regard. That's awesome. But yeah. And did you channel any of that into the new album? Any, any like feelings of, of being back at home or were you just recording it at home, but you had like a, a completely different like minds mindset while recording it? Um, that was kept was i believe the last record that i completed and made start to finish in that house and Mm. so um and i knew that kind of approaching the end of making it that it would probably play that role and so i i think kind of inherently it's it's imbued with that energy of like you know this is where i've lived for 23 24 or well you know i've lived been around my parents for 23 24 years of my life um so i think it's kind of inescapable that that album um you know has some of that energy and i think especially again referring back to the pandemic which was a time during which i was doing a lot of writing for the record um you know, we were confined to our homes for a good portion of it. You know, I had to get really comfy with that space. And, you know, I even ended up like hanging out on the roof a few times. And um, in fact, that song, Seraph, makes a reference to that. The like, you're on the roof, arms stretched wide. It's like, yeah, like I, you know, spent time getting real comfy with that space and really, you know, being present in it. Um and yeah, I think, I think the record is, you know, the totally imbued with that sound. Lovely. Nice. Speaking of recording in your home, um, and listening to some of your tracks, um, they're complex pieces. They're not, you know, two or three, four instrument tracks. They're bigger, you know, they're, they're full arrangements. Um, so what being in your childhood home, um, and also, you know, understanding that there's a lot that goes into your music. What's that process like for you? Yeah. Uh, I think it, you know, it changes a little bit record to record, like what I, what I want to prioritize in terms of the sound of the record and the, and the production and whatnot. And with kept specifically, and this kind of ties back to the last question about the, the home itself too, like, um, I really wanted to capture the feeling that you might get of like seeing a band in just someone's house or in someone's basement and and very like intimate and close up. But I also maybe a bit, you know, contradictory to say, but I, I also wanted it to have kind of no holds barred production. I wanted to push things in a direction that I hadn't fully explored before. Um, so in regards to, I guess, how it all, you know, fits together, um, all those songs pretty much started with like a core of, of like a guitar part and then the, the lyrics and the vocals and, and the structure, and then kind of just got built out from there. And I, I very intentionally made that still the centerpiece of the record. Like a lot of times somebody will come to you with a part or you'll write a part and then, you know, 
it'll just get thrown out the window. You'll replace it with a bunch of stuff. But I always wanted the record to be anchored around those guitar parts and my voice. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, I just, I kind of wanted to have a lot of fun with it. So that's where all the like layers come in, the like electronics and the strings and the horns and stuff. Nice, so, nice, yeah. nice. And uh, we talked a little bit about that being in your childhood home and how that influenced you. But are there any other non-music influences that like you brought into this album? Something, maybe a movie or listening to a podcast or reading a book that you were like, oh, I need to channel some of this energy into this, into these songs. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think primarily informing the, the vibe and the record is, is the subject material, obviously, like what the lyrics are all about and all the songs are about. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, over the past several years have gotten really, really into like film and TV Ooh, and stuff. Nice. And, um, I, for a while now have really liked, uh, people are going to roll their eyes, but I've really liked David Lynch and I've oh, liked a lot of yeah, David Lynch's yeah. stuff. Um, you know, Twin Peaks of course mm. is arguably what he's known best for. Um, and I really appreciate like a sense of like, surreality surrealness bit of abstractness um, yeah, yeah yeah i like eliciting specific emotions and um trying to make you feel a certain way or or elicit a certain emotion in perhaps not super straightforward ways right mm -hmm. like i feel like if you describe one of david lynch's crazier dream sequences in twin peaks or something mm -hmm. and someone hasn't seen that show yeah they'll just be like what but then you watch that scene and mm -hmm. despite the nonsensical things that are happening um on screen and the nonsensical like phrases being uttered um it still makes you feel something you know even if it is kind of you know shock or something or disgust yeah. like you're still like reacting to it and feeling something so i really wanted to do that with that record um so even if things seem kind of abstract or nonsensical or weird they still kind of imbue a feeling i love that yeah it's after we've lied about having gone to sleep I desperately repeat, you are not my missing piece. But if it's peace, I
you're just joining us, we are sitting down with Corsicana. Ben, how's your day going so far? It's going good. I, uh, yeah, woke up and went straight to a rehearsal, and uh, now I'm here. <laughs> and uh, you've played uh, UMS before, right? This is your fifth time? Yeah, I believe so, because 2017 was the first year, and then the pandemic meant there was a missing missing one but there was there was some like digital like streaming stuff but yeah yeah technically fifth yeah <laughs> are there any stories that you you know from past UMS experiences that you know you're like oh this is fun like I want a, something like this to happen again is there anything like that that you'd like you know oh like yeah to, yeah oh yeah anything yeah. you can share <laughs> oh absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah no um it's very wholesome <laughs> oh perfect yeah. it's, it's not even yeah. yeah um I two years ago I think was 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Math. <laughs> um, and we played the Hornet and Ooh. that probably remains the best show I've ever played like in my life. Um, it was just packed and the energy was so, I don't know, palpable. Like everybody was just there to have a really good time. And there was no like, judgment or impatience or, or like th there was absolutely zero what it felt like negative energy in the room it was just everybody was freaking stoked and you know then so was i and like i don't know i'm not sure if we necessarily played technically the best we ever have but mm. like mood wise vibe wise absolutely the best i've ever played like it was so fun um so you know hopefully that happens again uh this year that would be sick uh last year was really really great too we just had like we had a bunch of like technical issues and the sun was beating down oh. on our backs and it was it was just a lot it was it was it's a bit more stressful i feel like and i let that get to me what'd yeah. you guys play uh, last year last year we were at stoney's stoney's which has okay. that like open yeah backside and yeah the sun just whew. i think <laughs> this year they made like a executive decision to like add a, bu a bunch more like shade because yeah. yeah there must have been a lot of people complaining about that last year yeah, yeah. I, I guess so i saw that that same thing that they've added shade to a bunch of the stages and stuff and uh yeah i, I support it i'm sure <laughs> like audience and fans alike will be very grateful you're like you chose the year after i <laughs> yeah. played outside <laughs> it's all right. but no the hq uh which you're playing at this year right correct yeah. that's yeah, one of the places that any, anytime I see a show at HQ, like I just see people like dancing and having like a great time. And I'm like, oh man, like I wish I was in there. <laughs> totally, totally. So, yeah. I've seen really great shows at HQ, um, and especially during UMS where mm -hmm. it's just, it's such a good time. So, you know, I, uh, I always set my expectations low, but not mm -hmm. too low. Yeah. So that, you know, pleasantly surprised i'm looking forward yes. to it i believe it will be a great time <laughs> yeah um you have a song uh that's come out recently that will be on your new album uh the torchbearer um and from what i can tell it seems to be one of your most popular songs um what do you think is the difference between a song like the torchbearer um and maybe something that you've made before in the past um and do you see any growth in your own uh, personal like artistry or do you think that it has more to do with, you know, the emotion and how you put yourself into the song? Mm. 
Um, I was I was just having a conversation with my dad a few days ago about um, about whether or not an artist can tell if their own song is going to be more. And for those of you not watching, I'm doing air quotes more successful. <laughs> um, and I am one of those people that like fully wholeheartedly believes like an artist cannot accurately predict if which which of their songs might resonate or be mm. more successful um i i can tell you what i think is different about that track which is part of the question i think torchbearer i know torchbearer is probably the simplest song i've ever written it's one of the shortest um and beyond that i mean <laughs> I don't, I don't really know, you know, I don't really know what, what did it about that one. Um, it certainly is one of my, like, it's up there as far as songs that I've written and, um, and I wrote it quickly too. Like I, I had just the idea for those chords one day. And I think by the end of like the next day, or maybe, maybe like 48 hours later, I'm pretty sure I had like most of the lyrics sketched out, which is super short for me. It usually takes me like months to refine and, and finish a song. Um, but yeah, it's, it's simple and I, and it's very melodic and, and the chord voicings are very like warm and major key and, and, you know, the brass kind of complements that the trumpet that's in there, um, kind of just warms it all up too. And, um, yeah, I don't know, I guess that, that resonated more than some of the other prior stuff I've written. Um, I definitely think that like the new record is, is just, I mean, to the extent of my knowledge, like, you know, again, air quotes, objectively <laughs> better than my last stuff, just because, you know, you, you hone your craft and you spend time practicing everything that you do. And that includes, you know, for me, songwriting, recording, production, singing, you know, guitar, all of it. So I think it's certainly better in that sense than the stuff off of like prior records. And just, just in terms of, you know, put this many years into it and been working at it. But yeah, beyond, beyond all those factors, I, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know what it is about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I would like to say it's a beautiful song. I listened Thank to it you. on the in the car on the way here. And uh, even for you saying it's one of your most simple songs, the soundscaping and everything that you've put into it, the layering is like immaculately beautiful. So Thanks. thank you for giving us that. Um, is there any inspiration that you took specifically for that song, like going into it? Or is there something that you because you say you got the inspiration for it like pretty fast mm -hmm. um, and everything kind of came together really fast compared to normal. Was there anything that you had watched or experienced that kind of led to that moment? I it's difficult to remember that song. I started writing about five years ago now in oh. 2017. Um, and I think at the time I was just um wanting to write something simple and, and wanting to write something that kind of distilled my songwriting style to its absolute core. And then, I mean, beyond that, I'm sure things that I was watching or reading or listening to at the time influenced it. Um, I just can't remember what I was kind of immersed in that long ago. 
Uh, I do know that by the time recording it came around, I had um, just in the past several years learned about and, and gotten really into this band, uh, Toledo. Um, and they have some similar songs in terms of, you know, it's it, they're simple, but really rich, like major chord voicings. Um, and I definitely, definitely was was inspired hearing them and their record. Um, and I think when I was building my song out, I thought, okay, like what are some potentially similar things or inspiration that I can take from that, you know? Yeah. This is just like a question I like to ask a lot of bands in like the dream pop kind of sphere. Uh, Suvlaki or Loveless? Excellent question. And I, I, I truly love that you don't have to clarify anything about that anymore. And I immediately know what you're talking about. <laughs> For those who don't know, Suvlaki <laughs> is the album by Slow Dive and then Loveless is by uh, My Bloody Valentine. I respect so much of Loveless and mm -hmm. I think the production on it cannot be understated in how influential it is. Absolutely. I gotta go with Suvlaki. Just better songs, right? I Just think better it's, songs. it's, you know, I value a little bit more clarity mm -hmm. in, you know, in hearing the song per se. Loveless is very textural oh, at yeah. points. And it's, for me, when I listen to it, it's a lot about like, oh, the production is sick and like mm -hmm. the texture is sick. But with Suvlaki, you have that element, but you can also just sit and really like appreciate the songwriting. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, that, you know, <laughs> to each their own. No, I'm, I, I love agree. both I agree. records, but <laughs> Suvlaki. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. It's been a real pleasure hearing you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great chatting with y'all. You can find Corsicana's music wherever you stream your tunes and on Instagram at Corsicana Music. We want to give a big thanks to Meininger Art Supply for letting us record season two at their store on North Broadway. Learn more at www.meininger.com. Underground at the Showcase is an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. You can learn more about Youth on Record at www.youthonrecord.org and on social media at Youth on Record. This episode was edited and mixed by me. Our production team also includes Cesar Ibarra, Ryan Conora, Chloe Hines, and Emerson Olson. Our executive producer is David Layden. Our theme song was recorded by Genevieve Glimp, Danny Akery, and David Layden. Additional music for this episode is provided by me. You can find my music on streaming platforms under Black Key, that's B-L-V-C-K-Q-I. Thank you again for listening. I'm Xavier Goche, and this is Underground at the Showcase.